Good morning, Redeemer. It's good to see you. Uh, it's good to be with you. My name is Lawson. If we haven't uh, met before, uh, we are excited to dive into this new series uh, through Hebrews 11, one of the, the greatest chapters, uh, I think, in the Bible. Uh, if, if you ask the, the youth um, who've been listening to me preach for uh, the last eight years, they might tell you that my favorite chapter of the Bible is often the one that I'm preaching through, uh, and I'm not going to deny that. Uh, but I do, uh, I, I, this, I just get excited just reading. I was like, man, I want to jump forward and get into these stories. Um, so it's going to be fun to walk through. Uh, this chapter together. Uh, Hebrews 11 is sometimes called the Hall of Faith. Uh, it is uh, it, these, these stories, this is just this kind of catalog uh, celebrating some of our fathers and mothers in the faith uh, found throughout the Old Testament. And so uh, the, we, we would be remiss, I think, not to set this chapter in context just a little bit, uh, you know, in the, in the letter of Hebrews, and to see to see what, why, why did the, the author put all these stories? Why this chapter? Why did he write it as it did? And we're not going to preach the whole book uh, because that would be a very long sermon. You would be bored of that. Uh, but look, if you look just right before in Hebrews 10, verse 36, uh, it says, For you need endurance, so that after you have done God's will, you may receive what is promised. For yet, in a very little while, the coming one will come and not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. And then if you look directly after uh, Hebrews 11 in, in chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and the perfecter of our faith. Um, as you can see from the setup to this chapter and from the conclusion, the, the, the therefore of 12.1, uh, the author of Hebrews is writing this chapter for a specific purpose, right? By the way, we don't know who the author of Hebrews was. There's um, you know, debate among people. Did Paul write it? Did Luke write it? Did Apollos write it? Like who was the author? Uh, we're not sure. This is one of the New Testament books we aren't, actually aren't sure of the author of, although we do believe that it is inspired, that it is, in fact, um, God's word. And so this, uh, this, the, this author is clearly aiming at something, right? You can tell. And he wants to spur us on to endurance. You have need of endurance. You need to endure in your faith. Right? Isn't that what we all need? To endure in our faith. He wants to inspire faith in us, which is what happens to me when I read this chapter. <laughs> right? He inspires faith uh, in us so that we will persevere to the end. Right, when all the world is against us, when all around our soul gives way, that we will persevere um, to the end. He wants to shore us up so that we look to Jesus who endured such hostility against himself when we endure hostility against ourselves. He wants us to see the faith of our fathers and to become faithful ourselves. This morning, uh, we're gonna ask three questions to kind of organize our time. What is faith? Uh, why is it so central? And how can we have it? How can we have faith? What is faith? Why is it so central? And how can we have it? Let's pray uh, once more as we, as we begin. Father, um, thank you so much for your word again. Um, thank you for the opportunity to, to sit under it, um, to listen to your word, um, to hear from you. 
I pray that you would speak to us. Um, Lord, no one wants to hear from me, um, and even myself. We all want to hear from you. So would you speak to us? Holy Spirit, please come now. Uh, please open our hearts, open our eyes, um, and help us to see. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. First, what is faith? What is faith? Uh, we, we use faith in, in everyday life, right? We use the word faith, I think, in ways that can cloud what biblical faith is. Most everyone, th- I think, thinks faith is a good thing, right? If you think, what, just the word faith, is that positive or negative? I think people say that's positive, like, as long as you don't take it too far, maybe. Um, some people pit faith against reason, so that anything that doesn't make sense, you know, that's faith. Anything that you can understand by reason is reasonable, that's, you know, that's by, you understand that by reason. Uh, some people say, you know, oh, just, you just gotta have faith in faith, doesn't really mean anything to me. I'm not sure what, what that means. Um, some people see faith as a, a leap in the dark. You know, it's a trust fall. You just, you just, you know, just fall, jump, and hope someone catches you. Um, people use faith as a noun, like the Christian faith, the Muslim faith, the Mormon faith. Uh, some, some atheists and modern people see faith as dangerous, right? As irrational, as antiquated. Uh, and, and now, you know, in our day, it's unnecessary. Maybe it was necessary in the past, uh, but now it's, we don't need it anymore. So let, let's, define, uh, let's define it. What, what does faith mean? Faith means, I think the simplest definition in, in our kind of modern parlance is trust. I think trust is the word. Um, faith means trust. Uh, it's a simple illustration that everyone uses, but you are showing a lot of faith uh, in in the chair that you are sitting in currently, right? You all sat down, and I, I don't think any one of you was like, I just don't know if it's gonna hold me. I don't know, I, right? No, you just sat right down, man, and it held you, right? You had great faith in that chair. Um, and, and faith must lead to action by definition, right? If, if I say, yeah, I trust the chair, but then, okay, we'll sit down in it. Well, I, you know, I'm not gonna sit down in it, right? Well, okay, if I won't sit down in it, that shows I don't actually trust it. I don't think it really will hold me. Some of you trusted your iPhones this morning to wake you up at the right time. You thought, it'll, it'll adjust automatically, right? And Pastor Kevin told me he did not trust it. He always wakes up an hour early and Googles, what is the current time in Houston? And then it shows, right? Uh, he doesn't trust, he doesn't have faith in it. Um, so so the faith is trust, right? Um, look, at, look at verse one. Faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. This is not a straightforward verse. <laughs> it's not a straightforward verse to, uh, to translate. Uh, you know, the translators struggle with it, especially the words for that, that, uh, the, the, in the verse reality and proof. Um, some translate it like this, and maybe if you have a different translation, it says, faith is the assurance not the reality, the assurance of what is hoped for, the conviction of what is not seen. But, but I think that misses the mark. I don't think that quite gets it. The, the, the word reality, um, the, you know, the roots of the, of the Greek word means standing under, right? It's a word that can mean the foundation of something. Some translators say uh, substance, right? Faith is the substance of what is hoped for. Um, and the CSB chooses reality, and I think that's basically right. I think it's basically right. It's, it's, not defining how you, it's not defining how you feel when you have faith, like the subjective experience of faith, uh, you know, that you feel assured, you feel assurance, though that's really right. But rather, it's saying something about the nature of faith. It's saying something about the nature of faith, that, that faith actually brings with it the reality of what we hope for. 
And this may be hard for, for those of you who, who don't yet know Jesus to understand um, because it's outside of your experience. And for the Christian, faith is more than just a choice to trust someone who we can't see. Right? It is that. Uh, but it's more than that. It, it, it actually gives us, right, from the inside, it gives us some of the reality of what we hope for. It, it's the proof of what we can't see. And this doesn't mean that Christians never struggle with doubts. I think that's one of the great myths in, in the church um, and, and in, in kind of our, our faith and that gets perpetuated in churches is that, man, if you're a Christian, you can't doubt. Like, you, you can't have any doubts. You gotta be completely sure. Like, <laughs> just look biblically, like, look at John the Baptist, Right, John the Baptist, he's this great, the, the one who prepares the way for the Lord. Right? He goes to prison at the end of his life. What does he do? He sends to Jesus, are you the one to come or should we look for another? I'm not so sure. Right? And then Jesus, said, right after that, says there's not a greater man born of woman than John the Baptist. Right? Christians, we do doubt. We do have doubts. And, and so I would just encourage you, you can bring your doubts to the Lord. Right? He is very secure in himself. Right? He doesn't mind if you ask questions. <laughs> uh, right? And, and bring, your, bring your questions to your community. Like, we talk through these things. People have worked through questions throughout the There are good answers to good questions. Um, and so you can, totally, uh, you can totally doubt, and Christians totally do. Uh, but, but when we trust Jesus, right, when we have faith, and maybe I should say, as we continue to trust in Jesus, it's a, it's a, a process. It's not, it's not only a one-time thing we begin to experience the life of God inside us, right? We begin to have the reality, to, to experience the proof. Um, look, for instance, at Ephesians uh, 3, 16 through 19, which will be on the screen. This is Paul's prayer for the church, one of his great prayers in Ephesians for the church. And I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, that's God's glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being th- through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through what? Through faith. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Notice, that's not just a nice feeling. That's not just a psychological phenomena of, you know, if you, if you trick yourself into believing in this thing that's not real, then you can, t- you can have good feelings. No, no, this is the spirit of God inside you, right? A person, Christ himself dwelling in your heart by faith. This is the reality that we experience, the reality of what we hope for. And in this way, um, Christianity can only really be experienced rightly from the inside. And and I think that might explain, you know, what sometimes happens with with people who are, you know, just around church, in church a lot, um, but but then leave the faith and go, man, it offered me nothing. Maybe they didn't experience the reality. Uh, Some people want to tack Jesus onto the outside of their lives, Right, like, like painting your car a new color. But, but you don't get the reality until you give him the wheel. Right, until Jesus is driving your life. You don't get the reality. 
intellectual assent to the Bible's teachings, right? Yeah, like I, I agree that Jesus is the Son of God, for instance. That isn't faith. That doesn't save you, right? The demons believe that. <laughs> they have better theology than we do, right? If you just agree with the Bible, you aren't trusting, right? You're, you're saying you believe the chair will hold you, but you're refusing to sit down in the chair. You have to go all in. You have to actually release your hands. You have to give Jesus control. This is faith. Faith is trusting in God in a way that changes your reality, gives you proof of what isn't seen. Now, second, why is it so central? Why is it so central? Verse two um, says that for, for by it, so by faith, our ancestors won God's approval. And this is what we're gonna see in the coming weeks, right? Story upon story of our ancestors uh, and, and their faith in God. The word for approval here, winning God's approval, uh, is the word for bearing witness or for testifying. It's, it's actually the same word that's in 12.1 where it says that we have a, a large cloud of witnesses uh, who, who are surrounding us, these, these people. And so what, how this verse actually reads more literally is, uh, is God, God testified or bore witness to their faith. And he did, right? And we, can, we know because he included it in his word, right? He testified to their faith. He put these people in the Bible and in Hebrews 11 um, to, to bear witness to their faith, right? To celebrate their faith. So faith has this effect. It wins the attention, the approval, the testimony of God himself. Faith in God is absolutely central to Christianity, right? Um, for, for a lot of reasons, but I'll give you a couple. Um, one, we are saved through faith, right? We're saved through faith. Ephesians 2.8, for you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. Faith is how we receive the gift of God. Um, second, too, faith pleases God, right? The Hebrews eleven six, just down from, from our passage. Now, faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Faith isn't just how we start the Christian, you know, the Christian walk, uh, but it's how we draw, it's how we continue. It's how we draw near to him. It's how we do things that honor him and please him in the world. By faith. Romans 14, 23 actually says, everything that's not from faith is sin. Right? Christianity, faith is central to, um, to Christianity. But it isn't just central to Christianity. Um, faith, faith in general, right? Trusting in something is central to human life. Faith, faith is universal and unavoidable. Right? Everyone has faith in all kinds of, of, of small things, of necessity. Right? Uh, if you didn't, you couldn't live your life. If you woke up each morning and doubted whether you were a person, doubted whether the ground would hold you when you rolled out of bed, uh, doubted whether your cereal was edible, you know, doubted whether your family could understand you whenever you tried to communicate with them to, with words. Right? You, like, you couldn't live your life. <laughs> life would be uh, uh, unlivable. 
you live your life by faith in deep assumptions that you never think to question. And even the most atheistic person among us, even, even philosophy professors do this. Some people uh, think of faith as, as opposed to science, right? The, the, the big debates, right? Uh, think of faith as opposed to science. You know, there's, there's objective scientific facts, which are real, right? And then there's subjective, you know, matters, there's values and matters of faith, which are, aren't as real. They're, they're matters of opinion, but the interesting thing is that the things that, that people experience as the most real and important actually can't be understood by science, right? They're actually in, in this realm. Love, for instance, right? Love. Love is to science simply some combination of neurons firing in our brain, you know, some, uh, you know, hormonally induced, uh, you know, phenomena uh, that gave us some, you know, evolutionary advantage, Scientists, you know, can't predict, for instance, who's going to fall in love. They can't make someone fall in love. There, there's a mystery to it that, that science can't explain. But, but everyone knows, right? In a relationship between lovers, in, in the love of a parent for a child, there's something deeper going on than just some neurons firing, right? It's what everyone experiences as the most meaningful thing there is. And yet science falls short of explaining it. Another hiccup with the view that science is opposed to faith um, is that science is actually based on faith. Right? Science depends on axioms that can't be proved by science. I don't know if you've ever thought of this. Every, every scientific materialist, for instance, who believes in evolution, this world is all there is, right, um, has to believe that at the very beginning of everything, there was either matter or energy eternally existing. If you go, well, where did that come from? 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 All the way back to the beginning, eventually, you know, they have to say, well, there was just energy, some energy there. Where did it come from? We don't know. It was just there. Now, this isn't verifiable by the scientific method, right? It's not, it's not observed. No one observed it. Uh, no one can repeat it, right? You can't test it by science, so whatever you believe about origins, and we'll talk more about this in a, in a few minutes, it's based on the assumption, on assumptions that you can't prove, right? In other words, you take them by faith. The scientific worldview rests on a lot of faith assumptions. And so I don't think to pit science against faith actually turns out to be very helpful or very in line with reality. I think it's more helpful to see them as complementary. Right, we understand some things by science. Science is a gift from God. Science, you know, modern science, of course, came out of the Enlightenment, but it came out of Christians in the Enlightenment right, who believed that the world, there's a design to the world because it was created by a God. And so there's an order we can observe if we observe carefully enough. It's a gift from God. And we can observe so much and learn so much in the world he's made. And we understand other things by faith. If you think about it, the, the questions that are most fundamental are only answerable, if they're answerable, by faith, right? Who are we? Where do we come from? What's our purpose? How do we know what's real? 
Are we in the matrix? <laughs> Questions about morality, right? How, what is right and wrong? What should I shouldn't or shouldn't I do? These are all questions that can't be answered by science. They can only be answered by faith, whether you're religious or not. Faith is central to all of our thinking and knowing and living in a, in a very daily way and in a very deep and fundamental way about the, the being of, you know, reality of existence. And faith and trust in God, particularly, and in the person of Jesus Christ, is central to Christianity. And this leads us into verse three. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Faith makes it possible for us to understand that God created the universe by his word. This is, of course, in Genesis 1, where Genesis 1 and 2, where God speaks everything into existence. Let there be light, and there is light. Everything we see every day, everything the Hubble telescope can see, it was all created by the power of God's word. This is why the heavens declare the glory of God. Because if, in fact, the wonders and the intricacies of the universe, of plant life, of animal life, of human life, if all of these wonders came from a single personality, then that's someone worth praising. Right? If we stand before a statue in, in just in wonder and awe at the mind and the skill that could create such a piece of art. How much more should we look at the Grand Canyon or look at the human brain or look at a single leaf and be in awe and wonder at the skill and the mind and the power of someone who could create that? Theologians talk about creation uh, ex nihilo, right? creation from nothing, out of nothing. And, and I think they, I know what they mean, um, and I think it's important. And no, notice, however, though, that it's not what this verse says. It says that what is seen was made from things that aren't visible. I think it's restating, in another way, the previous statement, right? The universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible, how do we understand this, right? And I guess, first of all, who can speak authoritatively on, on this mystery, right? Oh, I understand how things we see are made from things that are not visible. This is, this is uh, the deep things of the Lord. But, but what can we say? I think actually going to science makes this really interesting. Um, quantum theory, right, as I understand it, which is not at all, uh, I think says that uh, that matter is made up of energy. Right? We, we've, we've found this to be true, right? Much of our power now is nuclear. Uh, and you know, as we know from the, the recent outages, uh, you know, and so what is that doing? It's converting matter to energy. And it's saying, well, matter is actually made from energy. You can hold a you know, uranium pellet in your hand, hypothetically, I don't really recommend it. Uh, but, and, and you know that, that, man, you can hold it, but there's enough energy in that pellet to destroy a whole town. Scientists, as I understand it, have been able to create subatomic particles 
out of light, right? For very small, for a very short amount of time, but they've been able to create matter out of energy. So, uh, so matter is actually made up of energy. That's not a self-evident thing, right? Something we've discovered. Could this help us understand a little bit maybe of what the Bible's saying here? If it's not sacrilegious to, to think of God as energy, right? He, he, we know he's spirit, which goes along pretty well with energy. Then perhaps when it says the universe was created by his word, it's saying that the universe came out of the infinite energy at God's disposal. But he made matter from energy. What is seen was made out of things that aren't visible. However it happened, this is what God's word says, right? And this is what we understand by faith. Now, for those who, who just can't buy it, right? I know there's many, uh, many who, who, can, who just can't, can't buy this view of the origin of things. I just wanna remind you, if you don't share the Bible's view of the origins of human life, then whatever other view you, you hold also depends on faith, right? Even the agnostic, the person who doesn't care to, or, or, you know, or doesn't know if there's a God, doesn't care to explore if there's a God, is really betting that there isn't, right? They're betting there's not a God, uh, which they can't prove. So that's a faith position, right? There isn't a God, that's a faith position. They can't prove that. And you say, well, Austin, you can't prove there is a God. I say, you're right. So where does that leave us? Well, hopefully, we can look objectively and as open-mindedly as possible at the evidence and come to a conclusion. But what I hope you don't do is write off creation as a position based on faith, right? And and you accept evolution as, oh, just a straightforward accepting of the facts, right? Because they're not, right? They're both based on faith, both undergirded by assumptions that you can't prove. Which faith are you gonna choose? That's the question. Which, which is better? Which makes more sense? Don't be closed-minded, right? Before you're even out of the gate. Why does the author of Hebrews start with this one? Right, he's gonna, in the rest of the chapter, tell stories of people, right, from, from the Old Testament. But, but why does he start by saying, we understand that, that the universe, by faith, we understand the universe was created by the word of God. I, I think this shows us that the very foundation of our lives is based on faith. Whatever faith you, you hold, Right, faith in the modern materialist story, faith in the story that Islam tells, faith in the story of the Bible. Whatever story you hold will inform your life in the most profound of ways. Right, for instance, if no God created the world, if this world is all there is, then you and everyone you know are simply evolutionary accidents. And nothing that you do or don't do ultimately matters because the sun will burn out, right? And life as we know it will be gone. You, you have to assume that you will stop existing when your brain stem kicks off and when you take your last breath, which is quite a thing to believe. What if you discover that's not true? That's a leap of faith, I would say. 
You, you have no purpose, no remembrance, nothing rational to ultimately hope for. And you can see how people in the modern world might logically choose nihilism. And, and some do. But if you're a Christian, you live by faith in the story of Scripture, a different story. Or that you're created out of the overflow of the love of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That truth, beauty, goodness, love aren't just evolutionary accidents, but reflect the character of God himself and reflect that we are made in his image. You have a purpose. And while the world has fallen into darkness and sin, the universe is moving toward an end of being reconciled and united with God in the age to come through the work of Jesus Christ. Right? To unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. You believe in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You believe in the king who's coming soon. This has profound effects on how we live, doesn't it? Our lives are based on faith in some story. How, how can I have faith? Right, how can I have faith in God? Christian, um, for you and for, for we who, who believe, the, the task of enduring in faith that God's calling us to here, right, that we would endure to the end, we would persevere, is one that God will, will complete and one that we must work out. It's one that God will complete. It's one that we must work out. Um, we, we know that faith is a gift. Right? Ephesians 2.8, as we've already said, by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is a gift of God. We know from Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. We have great confidence because God is faithful. We have great confidence that he will bring it to completion. And we have a part to play. Right? We have things to do. Like, like This is why verses like Hebrews 12.1 are here. We have a race to run. Right, Put off the sin that, that clings so closely. Run with endurance the race that's set before you. Look to Jesus. Right? We have things to do. This is, this is one of the essential tensions of the Christian life. Right? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We have great confidence and we have work to do. If you're not yet a Christian, let me appeal to you uh, before we end. Our, our faith, the Christian faith, is not a leap in the dark. And it's not a leap in the dark because of one rock-solid historical fact. And that's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That Jesus started breathing again and he's still breathing. Right, there's no other story like this, though there's echoes everywhere. If you're unsure about what you believe, that's where I'd encourage you to spend your time. Like look at Jesus himself and look at his life and his death and his resurrection and and. Ask, did he in fact rise from the dead? 
There's a ton of things that people get hung up on, right? Oh, well, what about all these weird parts of the Bible? Like, what about the, you know, what about what God says about this social issue? Uh, you know, I, I just can't get, get past these things. Maybe it's creation. Maybe I just can't get over the origin of things. Man, and all those are great to talk about, and there's great resources. And I love those conversations. Um, but, but listen, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, who cares what he says about anything else, right? He's a phony, right? By the Bible's own admission, Christianity falls apart if there's no resurrection, right? So that's the important thing to nail down. Was there a resurrection from the dead? Because if there was, then somebody rose from the dead, Right? And that, that changes things. <laughs> you can see how if we believe that, which we do, that Jesus actually is alive, okay, then, okay, things are different now. That changes the perspective, right? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? And hopefully you can understand now why, why we, we do have confidence as Christians, why we can't have confidence. We, we have in the Bible the historical account of the resurrection of Jesus. And we have, by faith, the reality of what we hope for, the proof of what we cannot see, Jesus himself in our midst. And it just makes me think, man, where would I be without Jesus? Where would you be without Jesus, Christian? Ugh, there's no telling. Not a good place. How do you have faith? How can you have faith if you aren't yet a Christian? Well, just trust Jesus, of course. Right? But you might say, well, that's kind of hard. How do you just make yourself believe something? How do you make yourself trust something? And I'd say, yeah, I, I get that. I think it is actually a little more mysterious and complex than that. As I just, we just said, faith is a gift. You, you actually aren't in control. I think some people hope that salvation is just like an apple that's hanging on a tree there and you can just, you know, anytime you want to, you can just grab it and put it in your pocket and you'll be good, you know, later, whenever. Like, watch out for that. It's, it's not like that. You can't earn it or just take it from God whenever you please. What can you do? What can you do if faith is a gift? You can just ask for it. You can ask for it. I suspect he'll give it to you. Why don't you? Why wouldn't you ask? Why wouldn't you say, God, if you're real, I want to believe in you. Help me. I don't yet. That's a prayer that'll change your life. You're living your life. We're all living our lives based on some story, faith in some story. Is it one you've consciously chosen or is it one that you've just unconsciously accepted? Is it the best one? Is it the one that makes the most sense of your life, most, makes the most sense of reality? Or are you always bumping up against reality, hitting reality, finding out, man, this doesn't work. It's not working. My life is not working. These are the most important issues to work out. 
And as a church, we want to support you and help you in your journey. Right, so please talk with us, right? Talk with the friend who brought you. Like, talk with your group. Like, talk, you know, if, if, you're, if you're listening, like, reach out. We want to be here for you. We want to support you and pray for you and help you however we can um, in your journey of faith. Let's pray, and then we'll take communion together. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for the reality that we have by faith. Thank you for your indwelling Holy Spirit who teaches us, who leads us, who comforts us. Would you make us faithful? We have great need of endurance. We're going through stuff, Lord. It may not be hard compared to some around the world, some throughout history, uh, some things that people have endured for you. But it's, we're, we struggle. It's hard for us. Lord, we have doubts. We believe. Help our unbelief. Would you make us faithful? Um, and, and Holy Spirit, I just ask you to, for, for the person who's not sure what they believe, would you pour out your love into their heart? Would you reveal yourself to them in a way they can't deny? And would you give them this faith, this reality, this proof, this experience of your love and your grace? We're so dependent on you. I mean, you always come through for us. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.